mean, everyone's voice is different. Like, maybe you do have a deep voice that's... And, like, that's just how your voice is. But I know that I have unhealthy vocal habits. Run. <laughs> no. Run like you do. I can't hit Don't it. sing like Nick Jonas. <laughs> no, it's Joe. I know. How dare no, you no, think no, no, no. that? I was, was talking about, like, in general, like, don't sing like you don't know where your voice <laughs> comes from. Oh, Nick. Uh, he's such a good singer now. He's and we all singer. thought he was a good singer then. But it's just so much of him being like, yeah. You know what I've been wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. Here we are, back at our kitchen table. Jane, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. The Jonas Brothers dropped Happiness Begins yesterday, so, you know, happiness began. Happiness Um, has begun. We are happy now. Um, That was a very good album, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, things that happened to me this week. Oh, my goodness. On Tuesday, you... Took me to the gala for the public. That was Monday. Well, <laughs> you know, the days blurred together. There was they alcohol did. involved. Um, <laughs> uh, Monday night, no. We went, yeah, I took Jane on a hot date. Yeah, we were mostly separated for much of the... <laughs> <laughs> Again, a hot date. A I'd hot love date. to go on a date where they just leave me alone. <laughs> it was so funny because when I went to pick up the tickets that you left for us because like we had to just in case you would be able to watch the show mm-hmm. but when I got there knowing you couldn't sit with me they were like here are your tickets and they handed me two tickets mm-hmm. and I thought about like should I give one back so they could like fill a seat is anyone waiting for seats here yeah I have no everyone... idea if they're standing but then I just I had a I had an empty seat next to me which was kind of sad no it's okay <laughs> sorry if I had known that I would be work I was on call so there yeah. was like a possibility that I wouldn't have been working but I did get called in but if I had known earlier that I wouldn't have been working I would have like oh. found another person to fill the seat but, but it was, was fine yeah. and we, went to, a- we went to a lit mm-hmm. after party oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. A good time. And the show itself was beautiful. I didn't... I can only hear it. I had to stand outside of the theater. There were a lot of really nice songs sung by um, Shana Taub. Um, particularly from her musical, The Suffragist. The songs... She sang one song, A group mm-hmm. of women sang a song from that. It was beautiful. And then Chelsea Clinton spoke and I was crying. And yeah. It was Susan Laurie cool. Park spoke and she was really empowering. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It was funny. Like, I could hear everything that was happening. But then Jane filled in some of the blanks for me. Like, yeah. I didn't know that in between every number, dancers were coming out. And that really, like, changed the mood for me. Because I was just kind of like, oh, this is happening. And then she pointed out that they played the Skylar Sisters, like, on a musical transition at one point. Which I couldn't hear the musical transitions. I could only hear the, like, actual people mic'd. Mm. Um, like, anyone with a microphone. So, <laughs> I was like, what? So, I had been picturing something very different than what she was experiencing. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Um, but I knew there were going to be kids in the show because I saw them warming up and oh Jane my God. did it. And, oh. and, so, and Jane just like started crying and I was like, oh yeah, like they were warming up where I was standing. It's pretty funny. It was beautiful. They did a dance with all women to the first all-female performance of one from a chorus line. Mm-hmm. And then at the end they brought out a bunch of public school girls. 
Yeah, it was really like sweet. dancing behind these girls that they like are aspiring to be. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice. It was a cool. It was it was a cool gala. It was. It was a fun night. It was, it was worth it to work on a Monday night yeah. <laughs> after working another job on Monday. It was a. It was a good thing that we had Tuesday off so we yeah. could recover. Oh, nurse our hangovers. Um, but that was the highlight of my week. Sarah, how was your week? Um, I'm not gonna lie. It was pretty up and down. Um, mm. I my cat passed away on Monday, as oh you know, God. which was which was really hard. But she was nine. She was not nineteen. She was seventeen. That's a long life for a kitty. It is. It's a long life for a kitty. And we had her her entire life. You know, we got her when she was like six weeks old. We got her as a kitten. Um, and she was really good. Her brother, who we got from the same litter at the same time, died like two years ago, almost exactly. Mm. So she lived just two years longer. But so that's, that's sad, so and like that'll be really sad when I go home. Rest in peace, Emily. Yeah, rest in peace, Emily. She was a sweetheart. She was the queen. So that was that was really hard getting that phone call in the middle of the school day. I like mm. my my supervisor was on site, and so she let me like step out of the class and take the call. My mom told me I like cried, but I only had like a couple of minutes, so I'd like really gather myself together. And as soon as I came back inside, like you can't get anything past eight year olds. They were like, "You've been crying," and I was like, "I'm fine. Like you don't need to worry about me." But that was really hard because I kept asking and I kept being like, "No, I'm okay." Like, don't worry about it. Um, it's got nothing to do with you. It's okay. Um, so that that was really hard. Um, we did have two days off this week, which was fun. So I got to like hang out with some people, which I don't normally that I don't normally see. So that was nice. Yeah, it's just been like it's just been one of those weeks that I'm like, really now? Like, it's yeah. been like other people are doing things that the that feels like they're doing it despite me, but that's because I'm a petty person. Um, so it's just me trying not to be spiteful of other people mm. has been my, has been my challenge this week. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right. Should we get started? Let's get started. Okay. Jane, tell me about some phrases that don't make sense. All right. So <laughs> this topic is kind of fun cause it's a lot of like little facts. Like it's like. That's fun. I love yeah. little facts. I want to start with the phrases that you specifically asked about in like okay. the notes. So for instance. Bite the bullet. We were mm-hmm. like, why is... We talk, I think we talked about that last week. Yeah, we Bite did. The bullet. Um, it's not at all what we think it's about. Oh. Because I was picturing bite the bullet being like someone shooting you, so you're like catching it in your mouth or something <laughs> like to save your life. Like maybe you'll mess up your job and it'll like save the rest of you or something. Oh I, my I, God. I don't know. But that of course would not save your life. Um, <laughs> probably kill you faster. Um, oh my God. No, but actually... Um, it was a phrase used in like the 1700s and the 1800s because it was a, I don't want to say a common practice, but it was a practice, Mm -hmm. um, when someone was getting, um, a surgical procedure done without anesthesia to like give them a bullet to bite on. Oh, to try and like help uh, with the pain help with the pain yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not as common as it was to bite on a leather strap which makes sense that sounds better for your dental health yeah it does <laughs> it does it does but that's really where that one comes from when you get a um, tattoo in a painful place they suggest that you like still they bring suggest like a cloth to bite on cloth or, or like leather or something like that or mm. chew gum chewing gum is supposed um, to help yeah uh variations of the phrase are to bite the cartridge Oh. Which dates to the Indian Rebellion in 1857. Let's start saying that instead. <laughs> Bite the cartridge. People or the, will be really confused. <laughs> or the phrase, chew a bullet, which dates to 1796. 
Hmm. So that's bite the bullet. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right. Cool. Learn something new. Yep. Head over heels is another one you specified mm-hmm. um, asking about. That's one I know that's made you really angry for a long time. Well, it's just your head is always over your heels. <laughs> and there's really, like, the explanation did not help. Clarify, uh, yeah. Really, because there are a lot of literary uses of this phrase from the 1700s and 1800s, and they all use some variation. A bunch of authors said head over heels, but some say some said heels over head. Um, some said overhead and heels. But it basically means you're so excited you're doing cartwheels, somersaults, or are otherwise upside down. But, so then we should specify it's heels, heels over head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like if you're going upside down, then it's heels over head. The only, only way that I'm like, okay, I guess I can see what you're saying is when you're like prepping yeah. to do a somersault. Right. You're like bending over and putting your head directly above your yeah, feet. I guess they're talking about specifically the directional motion. Like your head is moving over your heels. Like you're just yeah, you're yes. throwing okay. your head over. Okay, you're throwing your head over so that your heels are in the air. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's got a bit of a rhythm to it that I think indicates a cartwheel or something yeah. like that. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. I accept that. Yeah. Um, you also asked about head in the clouds. I don't know if you asked about that on the bridge, but you wrote that in the mm, notes. Yeah. Um, and that one just means a person isn't grounded in reality and prone to flights of fancy used since the mid-1600s. Cool. All right. Now, the rest of these are just phrases I found online with little explanations. Raining cats and dogs. Oh, yeah. We're definitely one of that. Uh, popped out at me because, obviously, where did that come from? It's never rained cats and dogs, it's, to mm, our knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually kind of sad uh, oh, no. uh, it means it's raining particularly heavily, and it was first recorded in 1651 by the poet, uh, in the poet Henry Vaughan's collection, Olar Iscanis. Mm. Uh, and speculations as to its origin range from medieval superstition to North mythology, but it's thought to be a reference to, like, back during plague times, when bodies were just put out in the street. Oh, no. Um... If it rained particularly hard and the streets were flooded, like dogs and cats, because they were lighter, oh, would be washed through the streets. <laughs> no, I know that one's depressing. That's so sad. Oh man. Oh, that made me upset. I that, me too. That was, was a bummer. Like, oh. <laughs> a couple of these are over bummers. Oh, you asked about stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yes, and this one's actually interesting um, because it comes from the Odyssey. Oh, yeah, um, kind of. Uh, in in one part of the Odyssey, Odysseus. Wait, can um, I guess what part it is? Yes. Is it the part where he has to go past the woman that um, has like will grab up and eat? Excuse me, will grab up and eat all six men? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's either he has to steer, he either has to steer towards the rock, which means the men will be captured, or steer to the right and he'll get sucked up into the whirlpool. It's literally exactly that. Uh, in one part of the Odyssey, Odysseus must pass between Charybdis, a treacherous whirlpool. Charybdis, yeah, yeah. Um, Or Scylla. I think Sh- my English Skyla. teacher said Scylla, but I remember him also kind of being like, could be Scylla. Mm. Whatever you want. Uh, it's uh, a horrid, man-eating, cliff-dwelling monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since, saying one is stuck between a rock, the cliff, and a hard place, the whirlpool, has been a way to describe being in a dilemma in which neither choice is easy. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That's a very old. Yeah. Very, very old saying. I guess. Uh, yeah. 
And then I found this one <laughs> um, article that was a bunch of phrases that was basically like, it technically makes sense to the rest of us, but experts on the topic are like, this is kind of misleading. And <laughs> the first one um, in that category was um, the phrase, don't cry over spilled milk. Mm. Um, we all think of it as, um, you know, there are other things that are yeah. more worthy of your tears. Like, don't cry over something as little as spilled yeah, yeah, milk. Yeah. Um, but bereavement experts oh. uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> were saying that um, people who <laughs> avoid, who to, people who make the most effort to avoid feeling grief about something take the longest to recover. Oh. Um, so the notion of just telling people not to cry about something is kind of a bad attitude to live by. Oh. Um, <laughs> and to put it in more lactose tolerant terms. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I didn't come up with that. The website did. Oh, uh, I thought that was you. <laughs> no, that was I a wish. good one. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> uh, sometimes we should cry over spilt milk. Otherwise, how will we learn to value the milk and how will we <laughs> how will we avoid spilling it again is a quote from Aaron Benzaev. I love that sentiment. <laughs> but like, how will we learn to value the milk? <laughs> Me goes to our fridge to, to the coconut you milk. Are I value valued. you. You are valued. You are, I see you. You are seen. Um, along this vein, um, experts say the phrase money can't buy happiness is kind of not accurate mm. um technically long-term happiness is fleeting no matter what your bank account looks like okay like your long-term happiness isn't determined by how much money you have that mm -hmm. is technically true and this is kind of nice but research shows that um money can in fact buy you short-term bursts of joy <laughs> um if you spend it on the correct things oh yes. what are the correct things Buying yourself experiences like concerts or vacations okay. um, have been linked to greater happiness than buying material objects. Like buying things doesn't okay. bring as much joy as um, spending money on an experience. But that's less so because the act of buying it brings you pleasure and more so because the anticipation of the event um, oh, that makes, sense. makes the event more enjoyable. Regardless of how much enjoyment is actually had at the event, like the fact that you're looking forward to something and yeah. you go to it, like that brings it fosters joy. overall happiness. Yes, that's so interesting. Um, more importantly, this is the nice part: uh, people who spend money on others are proven to be measurably happier than people who spend money on themselves. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So be generous. Did you know that the lower your income, the more the higher percentage of your overall income? you are likely to give to charity. Oh. Like, I, yeah. in my nonprofit management classes, we were showed this chart that was like, people in the lowest income bracket actually gave the most because you are more empathetic to others who need that sort of charity. Because and the people, crazy. like, the richer you get, the less percentage you give. What? Even though it might be more money, it's like percentage-wise, over your whole life. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Let's eat the rich. Um, <laughs> Let's just eat them. Forget taxing them. We just <laughs> the phrase "fat chance." I actually kind of like. Oh boy, because it's, it's just a sarcastic. Like 
when something is unlikely, you say it's a slim chance. And uh, fat chance is just the sarcastic version of that. Like, oh yeah, fat chance. <laughs> That's all it is. That's literally all it is. That's funny. It's like, oh, okay. All right. I see you. Um, pot calling the kettle black. Oh, yeah. yeah. Someone who criticizes someone else for something they themselves are guilty of. I did know that that's what it means. Yeah. And that comes from Don Quixote. Oh. Cervantes was the first to use that phrase. What a clever guy. And it's because in medieval kitchens, both pots and kettles were both made from cast iron. Mm -hmm. So they were both black from the soot from the fire. Yeah. I'm assuming the phrase to hell and back comes from Dante. Or like, that, that comes from the idea of Dante. Cervantes maybe. Well, I mean, Orpheus and Eurydice. That's true. (laughs) Speaking of to hell and back, um, I was inspired by uh, the Jonas Brothers. Oh my gosh. Because in one of their songs, one of them says the phrase, like a bat out of hell. In the newest one? Like a bat out of hell. What song is that one from? Is it a new, is it one of the newest From Happiness Begins, yeah. I don't know. I haven't listened to the album closely enough to know that. I'm shocked that you have. One of the songs later on in the album. I'm not figured out completely. Um, Joe Jonas sings, like a bat out of hell. Um, oh, it's Come Back. I'll be coming back. Like, I can't yeah. believe you know this yeah, so well. This album back. came out yesterday. <laughs> I listened to it all day yesterday. Um, that phrase made me think, like, oh, wait. Why, like, why do bats, like, is it, like, just to refer to bats flying out of caves really fast and people come in? Like, why? They yeah. do that. Why are they so scared of, like... So I was curious about the phrase yeah, bat out of Yeah, more about hell. bats. And since Jacobean times at least, oh. bats have been associated with have been associated with witches and the occult. Oh. And were therefore thought to have originated in the bowels of hell. Oh. And so if people saw a bat flying past them particularly fast, they'd be like, oh, he's flying to escape hell. Oh, interesting. That is interesting. So that's um, where that one comes from. Thank well, okay. you, Joe Jonas. You're, or you're welcome, Joe Jonas. Jacobean times. When, mm-hmm. when was that? <laughs> I kind of thought you might ask about that. I assume... <laughs> well, that makes me think of the Jacobite Rebellion, which is... I don't know what that is. Out, that's when Outlander takes place. Oh, okay. So 1740s. <laughs> but are you sure that that's when No. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we're going to look Hold it up. On, I'm going to Google it. Jacobean times. <laughs> it refers to... Um, I was totally wrong. (laughs) All of our history comes from Outlander. When is it? (laughs) The Jacobean era refers to the period in English and Scottish history that coincides with the reign of James VI of Scotland, who inherited the crown of England in 1603 as James I. Oh, Um, So it's like... That's following Queen Elizabeth. His life was 1567 to 1625. That's following Queen Elizabeth. So like Shakespeare was alive. In- oh, and King and James the First was Mary Queen of Scots' son, wasn't yes. he? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. We're all we're all we're, we're all cut up. We're <laughs> we're together now. <laughs> I'm okay. Although Jacob and James are not the same thing. History. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know. I don't know what else they would call it. The Jamesian. 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 I don't know. Okay, this is another one that was pointed out as not making sense. So when someone's really innocent, they'll be like, "Oh, she's pure as the driven snow." I've never heard that, but I believe you. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard pure as snow, not driven snow. Oh. Well, driven snow is technically 
it's not snow that's just fallen, it's, which I think is what people assume. So they, <laughs> that's why that phrase has been like said yeah. a lot. Driven snow is really snow that's been blown into drifts. Oh. So in like olden times when like a sled maybe pushed some snow into a drift. Yeah, that snow sure was probably pure because like it was being avoided having feet on it. Yeah. But in modern times, snow that's been driven has been driven by a car or a plow. Right. So that snow is filled with car exhaust. Yes. <laughs> and is therefore... Not pure at poisonous all. Poisonous and you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> Did you ever do that thing when you were a kid right after it snowed where you'd go out and like get a bowl of it and like mix in maple syrup? Um, <laughs> I did it once in Canada, but I did it oh. like at a maple syrup factory. Oh. It was like you, yeah, they laid Dude, out snow amazing. and then you poured syrup and you put a stick in it and you wait like 30 seconds and you could eat it. Oh, I didn't put the stick in. It was really It was cool. just like you'd eat it with a spoon. <laughs> but you would mix snow with maple syrup? Yeah. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> what kind of breakfast is that? It's not for breakfast. It's just like a snow, like if you have a day, like if you have a snow day, it's like, ooh, we're all going to eat snow. Okay, Maine's weird. <laughs> Here's one's going to, scientists are going to be like, finally, we've had our say. Oh my gosh. The phrase, it's darkest just before the dawn, is wrong. It's not darkest just before yeah, the dawn. That always it's means- darkest at midnight. <laughs> When the sun is the not fu- <laughs> not midnight is in like twelve, 12 o'clock, but well, midnight is in like the middle of like the the halfway point between sunset and sunrise, right? Correct. But yeah. the idea, like, with it's not darkest before the dawn. It's very bright before dawn. You exactly. Can see. <laughs> the idea of this is that dawn begins when the first light begins to show. Therefore, <laughs> this explanation is kind of like. Uh, Therefore, there is the least light in the time before dawn begins, a.k.a. all of night. (laughs) (laughs) There is the least amount of light, which is, I guess, correct, uh, because there's no sunlight at that point. Uh, And it's also, um, just before dawn, is the longest point since we've seen direct sunlight. Okay. So, fun fact, it is the coldest Dawn Often. is the coldest? Right before dawn is the coldest time of night. Oh. It's not... So not, not 100% of the time, but often. Interesting. Which is because it's just like, it's been 12 hours since we've had sunlight, so... Right. It's chilly. We, we need some light. Right. Do you think in, like, Alaska, when they're <laughs> in their 12... Freezing. When they're in their, like, 23 hours of night, they're like, well, it's always darkest before the dawn. Like... <laughs> yeah, probably. The phrase low on the totem pole is also, like, used incorrectly. Oh. Because if you say, like, oh, I'm a lower down in my company, I'm low on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Or if you have, people use that phrase to refer to them having a low station in an organization. Yeah. Um, being the person who has to carry the world on their shoulders. Right. Um, but in actuality, the figures that are lower on totem poles are more respected. Oh. And totem poles are thicker towards the bottom. Right. Towards the base. So the bottom most figures are typically the largest, most mm-hmm. prominent, and most detailed. And here's some fun facts for you. Totem poles are carved not by one carver, but by a head carver and a number of apprentice carvers. And the head carver has a reputation to uphold. Therefore, they carve or seriously supervise the bottom 10 feet of the pole, while the inexperienced apprentices are allowed more freedom to carve the higher region. That makes sense, because also you want to put the more important people at the bottom because you'll be able to see them. Yeah, you can't really in your Yeah, you can't eyesight. see the people at the top. Another disputed phrase is, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And 
Why is this, that disputed? This one was just dumb because it was like, um, no, unless life also gives you sugar. Otherwise, you can only make lemon juice. Life constantly skimping out on us. <laughs> this oh one's gosh. interesting. So the phrase mad as a hatter uh-huh. directly refers to Alice in Wonderland. Like, that's just a reference to Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. But the phrase mad as a March hare uh, refers to the habits of hares during breeding season, which is March. Oh. So, I've never heard Matt as a March Hare. Oh, well, this website. But isn't the March Hare also a character? I, exactly, but that one, like, just so during March, they're like, uh, this website says that they're like jumping all around the fields going crazy. Right. So I think the fact that he was the March Hare and he was like mm-hmm. running around a lot, they're like, it's because he's a March Hare and he's mad as a March Hare. And maybe that's where Matt, like, then maybe Lewis Carroll was like, and he's mad as a hatter, which is like, huh? Oh. Uh, is a hatter just a man who wears a hat? Hatters are people that make hats. Driving me up the wall. Uh, they don't know the origins of it, but it evokes someone driven so frustrated by something that they climb a wall to escape it, which Colton. is a Colton Underwood mood. It's a Colton Underwood reference. Yeah. Um, the phrase, know the ropes. Like, mm-hmm. that, like listen to that guy. He knows the ropes around here. Yeah. Um, is a maritime reference. Yeah, I could have um, guessed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It refers to skills to... Okay, stop being non-surprised. I'm sorry. Like, okay, okay, I knew that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am really interested in what you're saying. First, the refers to the maritime skill of knowing how to handle all the ropes necessary to operate a ship and sails. Um, this everyone kind of knows already, but I thought it was hilarious because this website refers referred to the phrase "toot my own horn." You know, like oh, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. mean to toot my own horn. Mm-hmm. It, it called it to blow one's own trumpet. Oh, ew. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't either. Wait, but uh, wouldn't you always... Okay, if you have an instrument... That's my question. I was yeah. like, well, what's the alternative? Whose trumpet are you going to blow? Like, Yeah, like if you own a trumpet, you're going to play your, your trumpet. trumpet. <laughs> this all sounds sexual. Um, <laughs> I know. But yeah, like who, who else's horn would you toot? <laughs> I don't know. That's my question. Interesting. I guess it's just another way of saying like conflating your own ego, but still. Yeah. Play it by ear. You know that phrase of like, yes. I don't know the plan, but like, we'll, we'll just play, play it by, by ear. ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, refers to musicians in the 16th century who mm. would, rather than reading from music, would just like... Too hard. <laughs> play music. Right. Without a pol- <laughs> without sheet music. Um, and the phrase now is used in any context instead of just musically. This one was cool. The phrase, to turn a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means to pretend not to have noticed something, but the expression is said to have arisen as a result of the famous English naval hero, Admiral Horatio Nelson. So famous. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, he's famous. Wait, Nelson does sound familiar. Admiral Nelson? Hold on. During the battle. Okay. Well, during the Battle of Copenhagen in 1801, um, he is alleged to have deliberately raised his telescope to his eye that he was blind in, thus ensuring that he could ignore signals from his superior, giving himself the discretion to withdraw from battle. So basically, <laughs> his boss was like, when I give you the signal, you charge. And this guy was like, we shouldn't charge, we should withdraw. So he was like, look everyone, just so we can all say that I'm doing the right thing, I'm looking through my telescope. But he was blind in one eye. Right. And not everyone knew that, so he just raised it to his blind eye to be like, look, I'm looking for the signal. I don't see it. Guess we have to withdraw. That's so funny. I realize why his name's familiar. So, he died at the Battle of Trafalgar 
which is the oh. battle that the Brits had with Napoleon, and in Trafalgar Square in London, mm-hmm. which is that very famous square, yeah. there's that really big column that is Nelson's column, and he is the statue oh. at the top. That's oh. why he's familiar. So I guess he is famous. Yes, he is. He is famous. Not just not to us. <laughs> just not to us. But he is a famous man. I won't. I won't argue that. Uh, the phrase "once in a blue moon." refers to I, these next two are both moon related cool for, which is very on a Jane reference me. uh which by the way trump tweeted yesterday that oh the moon gosh. was part of mars and i just feel like the issue with that <laughs> is that i i don't want to give he's him like credit. don't ignore science i don't want to give him credit science. because i don't like him but also i feel like what he was trying to say is that going to the moon will be a part of the mars mission not that he thinks the moon is with mars oh but he just phrased it so poorly and he has offered no clarification so we can make fun of him but i just i can't believe that's what he means it's just that i'm so personally obsessed with the moon so like of all the awful things this man has done you're also gonna do this to me like right. <laughs> not to be like this is the worst because he's done much worse things obviously but right like wow how are you personally come for me like this i know so my first moon one is once in a blue moon mm-hmm. and a blue moon is when there is a second full moon within the time of one month it's when there's the oh. se- if there's a second full moon within the oh, course of one month which sometimes happens called, yeah. yeah okay that's right. called a blue moon it has nothing to do with the actual color of the moon and i'm going to get into why that might be um apparently there used to be a word long ago which is Blue, B-E-L-E-W-E. Oh. Which people were like, uh, it's a word we don't use anymore and it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like, why not? Why did we just decide that blue doesn't... And it means to betray. Why did we just be like, we don't like blue. It doesn't mean anything anymore. No more. I don't know. That's weird. just decide a word doesn't exist anymore. Anyway. I mean, we've added words. We have. Um, And so blue means to betray. So a blue moon means a betrayer moon. Oh. Yeah. Um, and people would call the moon the betrayer moon if there was an additional spring full moon during the time of Lent, which basically, if there was a second full moon within the time of Lent, they'd be like, oh no, we have to do Lent for a whole other month because we got the time wrong. Oh. So they'd have to do a full other month of fasting if there was a blue moon in the spring, basically. A blue moon, a betrayer moon. And then people just assumed over time that when they were saying blue moon, meaning betrayer moon, they were saying blue moon. Interesting. Whoa, that's super fascinating. Yeah. See, I didn't know that one. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to teach you, but (laughs) I can't help that you're a Ravenclaw who knows everything. I don't know everything. I'm not trying to overshadow you. (laughs) And my last one of today, and another moon fact. The phrase, shoot for the moon, you will land among the stars. Mm. Scientists are like, nah, 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 nah. No, stars are billions of light years away. (laughs) On average, the moon orbits 238,800 miles away from the Earth. Okay. Assuming that your quote-unquote botched moonshot happened on the time of a solar eclipse so that the moon and the sun were perfectly aligned, the sun is our nearest star. And during, when it's perfectly lined up with the moon, it's still 93 million miles away from the moon. Wow. Isn't that so much farther than you thought? Yes. um, So it would, so you would have another 93 million miles or so of floating to go before you reached the sun and you would die of cosmic radiation about halfway there. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> they ended it on a nice note and said, the good news is you don't need to leave your living room to be among the stars. On the planet Earth, we are residents of the universe. You are already there. Oh. Which is technically true. Like, there are stars all around. They're really far away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they've died by the time we see them. Yes. But they're there. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yes. So that's everything? That's all the phrases? <laughs> that's all the ones that I have. Unless there's a specific one that you want me to, like, Google right now. No. No, no, no. That was great. I loved all, I loved all of that. I can't think of any other ones that I'm like, I don't know what that means. You can, if you think of one, send us an email. We'll shove it in somewhere. Yeah. One thought that I did, though, have from that last fact is, so you're telling me that the sun is 93 million miles past the moon. Right. The, I'm sorry, I'm phrasing this in a weird way. Okay. The sun and the moon and the earth all had to be in distances so that, like, a solar eclipse could happen. Yes. Because what, what, what I'm saying is if the moon was a little farther away, a solar eclipse, which it already does a little bit, it doesn't totally cover up the sun. Like, you can still see, like, the, the, the rim of it. Yeah. But if the moon was, like, a little bit farther away, it would look smaller and a solar eclipse would look just like a donut or something, like a little circle yeah. crossing it. Yeah. Right. But, it like, again, if the sun was a little closer or the moon was a little farther... Right. Those wouldn't like, or I guess they when were you're on de- different like rotation. I guess when you're dealing with distances that huge, marginal differences don't like. Even if it was like three million miles you're closer, right. I don't think marginally. You're right, but that is amazing. Like that is incredible. Duolingo. Since <laughs> Duolingo's been shading Jane for days because she lost her streak. Okay, well, talking about space is a good transition because for Reddit, I was in between two topics, but they're both really short, so I'm just going to do both because one of them has to do with exactly what we're talking about. Okay. Almost almost exactly. Okay. Um, And that's about how the moon was created. (gasps) Um, I'm going to tell you. Because someone on Reddit asked... Can I say what I... One thing that I've heard that I'm not sure I believe this is true, Mm -hmm. but I once read somewhere that the moon used to be part of Earth and then the the comet that killed the dinosaurs came and it like dislodged the moon from Earth. Um, I don't know about that. I don't think that's true. There, oh, and they were like, and that's why there's oceans because okay. that's the hole where the moon used to be. But well, I, 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 don't that, I don't think that's any, true. <laughs> I don't think that's true because the earliest organisms were in the water. So like there had to have been water. There was water here first. Okay. We started as a mass of water. Okay. So, and dinosaurs were much later. So this is this is one hypothesis, and it's called the. I'm gonna say her her name is pronounced Taya. It's T H E I A. Or Thaya Thaya Thea Thaya. I'm gonna say the translation showing me is in Greek, which is not helpful. Um, <laughs> Thaya. Let's say Thaya. Okay. Um, Sounds like Paella. So right. someone asked on Reddit. Did there used to be other planets? And someone said, yeah, Pluto. (laughs) (laughs) Which Pluto is now a planet again. Spread the word. That happened a while ago, I feel like. Everyone's acting like it just happened, but maybe it's a Mandela effect for me, but I have a specific memory of a a couple years ago being like, Pluto's a planet again. But someone asked, like, were there planets that have disappeared? And this is a hypothesis that scientists have about the early solar system, and it has to do with the creation of the Earth and the Moon. Mm -hmm. So Thyaea was a planet... Um, that according to the giant impact hypothesis, which is that a bunch of planets crashed together to create the Earth, um, it collided with Gaia, which is what we call early Earth, mm-hmm. 4.5 billion years ago. Um, and Thyaea was an Earth 
Trojan, which means it was a planet about the size of Mars. Um, and a geologist, Edward Young, thinks that Thyaea collided head-on with Earth and that that impact created debris around the Earth that, through gravity and other things, formed the moon. That's the theory on how the moon was created. It's just one. We don't know that for a fact. Some think that we originally had two moons, then it formed mm. later to become one. Um, but yes, the, we, we theorize that two planets crashed in together and because Earth was larger and stronger, Thyaea was destroyed. The reason they call this early planet um, Thyaea is after the Titaness Thyaea. Um, mm. And that Titaness was the mother of Selene, who is the goddess of the moon, which I thought was cool. So that's a brief space fun fact. Um, the other one that I came up with was someone asked, what's the difference between gaslighting and lying? And oh, I have heard people use the term gaslighting a lot recently, and I will admit that I haven't quite known what it meant. Like, I knew it wasn't lying, but I often heard it's it. It's like when you try and convince the other person that they're crazy. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Specifically men convincing women they're crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's something, no spoilers, but it's something I heard people talking about a lot with the Game of Thrones finale. So I was like, okay, I want to know. Um, oh. And if you want to know why specifically with the Game of Thrones finale, you can email us and, I'll, and we'll tell you. <laughs> um, gaslighting is a specific form of abusive behavior where the perpetrator attempts to undermine the victim's sanity or certainty in their self and attempts to make them believe they're crazy, like yeah. you said. It came from a play, which was later turned into a movie, and the movie is like where it really gained popularity, popularity in the 19... The movie was 1940. I don't know when the play was. Um... And in this movie, the movie's called Gaslight, and in the movie, a man, mm. is, a husband, is sneaking around the house when his wife is in other rooms because he's having an affair, but he's turning the lamps down so that he can hide and, like, sneak through the sneak, sneak through their home. I don't know a lot of details about this film. Apparently, it's mm. a horror movie, and I've heard people say that it's very scary. So he's sneaking around the house and turning down the gas lamps so that it'll be darker, mm. and then the woman, the wife, is like, I had these lamps on, and he's saying, no, you're crazy. They were off. Yeah. And so that's where the term comes from. So it's a 1940s term that's still being used. So that's my other Reddit fact. Men are terrible. Men are the worst. The moon is named after two women, so. <laughs> we love her. Yeah, and we the love The moon her. and I are married. Yeah, they're in love. Uh, Yeah. This Reddit thread was funny because I didn't feel like looking at the movie because I was like, I'm going to get into a bunch of, like, semantics that I don't want to. Um, but the description on Reddit, the, like, people arguing on Reddit is arguing over what happens in the movie because apparently there are two <laughs> movies called Gaslight that are vaguely about the same ah! thing. Um, and so people are just arguing and, like, this has, like, thousands of replies. <laughs> Do both sides think that the other side of the debate is gaslighting them but being like no you're crazy literally they're literally gaslighting each other about gaslighting on reddit and i was like i don't feel like looking this up so i'm just gonna say the very basics but it's so it was super funny did you hear there was um a segment on samantha b recently Mm -hmm. um where she interviewed this child this kid he was like a teenager maybe 17 Mm -hmm. 18 who um like, emancipated himself from his parents. He was raised by anti-vaxxers. Oh. And he got himself vaccinated. Like, he eman- yeah. like he emancipated. I don't know if he emancipated, but he got himself vaccinated against his parents' wishes. And Samantha B. asked him, why did you, like, what taught you that vaccinations were good? 
Yeah. And he said, I started doing some research on it and people on Reddit told me that I should get myself vaccinated. <laughs> Reddit saving the Samantha world. Samantha Bee was like, you're telling me that Reddit did something good? And I was like, yeah, Reddit. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's so interesting. Good for him for going out there. Vaccinate your kids. Yes. Vaccinate your kids. Okay, so are you ready to yes, get into tell the signs me. of attraction? <laughs> I can't tell you why you're attracted to the moon. So sorry. <laughs> oh, I sorry can tell about you that. exactly why. Oh, no. wow. <laughs> my goddess. Okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna start with a game because my section's actually gonna be really short. We're, we're gonna play with a game. That's fine. When my section I, was kind of short too. When I say attractive. Who do you think of? You can just say it. Say you can say like celebrities. It doesn't matter. I feel my first thought was Zac Efron, which makes me like a oh, little okay, embarrassed. Okay. But yeah, also no. like oh Raphael from Jane the Virgin. Okay. Um, what's his name? Justin Baldoni. That's his name. Um, hmm. you can say men and women. Um, Jennifer Lopez was where my brain for when the second you were like you can say so women. Um, this is literally just train of thought. Who are the first people that come to mind? Um, Hemsworths. The Hemsworth. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. So, like, when you say attractive to me, I think, like, Tessa Thompson. Oh, I, beautiful. She's so stunning. She, like, I think she's very attractive. Um, Who else do I think is attractive? Noah Centineo, attractive. Noah Centineo is, like, there's some pictures of him that I look at him and I go, wow, you're handsome. But I don't think, when I watched All the Boys I've Loved Before for the first time, I didn't think, immediately think, like, wow, you're handsome Mm -hmm. i think it was more his behavior Mm -hmm. and look that i was like oh you're kind of like the cool guy like yeah antony is attractive antony oh my word those dark shadows under his eyes (laughs) (laughs) they haunt me this was like a personal like jane what are you into (laughs) no but it's also like okay so i'm gonna explain why i asked you that question so at the end of the day, attraction comes down to survival of the fittest. It is it is psychological, but it's also very biological. So all of the people that you just mentioned. The physically fit. The men, physically fit, broad shoulders, pretty tall, look strong, look masculine, right? All the women you mentioned and I mentioned, wide hips, very curvy, like beautiful women. But that has a lot to do with survival of the fittest. And that was your first instinct to be like, oh, they're attractive. Now, if you wa- if you and I watch a movie together, if we watch, or if we watch like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I say all the time, I'm like, Ross Lynch is so cute, I want to marry him. He is so cute. He is not what I think of first as attractive because he's like a little no, skinny. but I love him so much. But I love him. I absolutely love him. When we were watching Black Mirror the other day, I was like, I'm attracted to Topher Grace. And that's because he was wearing, like, not a shirt and looked really built and, like, strong. Where normally, I think of him as Eric Foreman, who's, like, <laughs> nerdy. Even though, in real life, like, I probably would end up dating, like, the nerdy, scrawny guy. Yeah. You know? But it's because attraction is very biological. And the first thing that you think of with attraction is, like, strong, built good for procreation Mm -hmm. and still we'll always go back to that so attraction occurs with the help of the brain and all five of your senses your brain runs complex interactions in a matter of seconds when you look at someone to determine a possible attraction that is why it's easier for us to quickly say yes i'm attracted to the hemsworth brothers when you look at them versus watching a movie in which there's like a dorky guy and over the course of the movie you're like you're so cute i love you 
you know, mm. it's, it's about that physical immediate reaction that you can get immediately when you look at someone who is built and fit. Um, this next part is getting, uh, my first explanation is going to be very heterosexual. Okay. And I'm going to cover like homosexual attraction okay. later, just as a warning. Um, I'm not trying to erase <laughs> homosexual attraction. But this is where most of the science is right now. So your senses, when you look at a person, all take a vote. They all say yes or no. Um, oh. And they all have veto power. Like your senses have the ability to be like, no, 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 no. Because of one, one aspect, they can veto. But if they all agree, and then that, that like affects your level of attraction to someone. So sight is like the first obvious one. And sight is where psychology comes in um, because your eyes will look and be attracted to beauty standards that you have been exposed to in your culture that you value Mm. Um, as well as standards that are important in genetics. But this is where psychology really can affect you. Um, So for example, people who have clear skin, a fit body and long, shiny, healthy hair a, because it looks good, and also because it, that communicates to you that that is a healthy person. Oh, yeah. um, and that, like, they have good genes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're able to take care of themselves. But also, um, wide hips in women and straight spines indicate that they are fit for pregnancy, mm-hmm. which men will be more attracted to. And broad shoulders and a strong jawline in men communicate... Like, masculinity, a lot of testosterone. Mm, like Virile. Yeah. And this has to do with reproductive fitness. So when we're, when we look at someone, we are scanning them for whether or not they would be fit to reproduce. Whether or not we want children or not. It's, mm. it's a biological reaction. Um, and this just goes back to our biological need to reproduce, our need to keep going. We want to set ourselves up for the best possible situation in the future. You know, we want to make sure that the human race is going to continue and that they're going to be strong. Yeah. Um, our okay. eyes also initiate the instinct to move closer so that the other senses can investigate. <laughs> so eyes play detective a little bit. Fascinating. Yeah. When you see someone, you're attracted to someone, if your eyes are like, yes, the, your body will feel the sensation to move closer for oh. the sake of the other senses to do their job. So. Oh, I thought you meant like, <laughs> I was picturing like you being like, oh, he's handsome. Let me tell my nose to sniff. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, It'll tell you the, your whole body. Like, you'll oh, feel the sensation. It. Like, oh, let's move closer. Okay. Yeah. So, smell. Smell is actually a much larger factor than we think. Well, that's what I was... When you were saying the senses, I was like, okay, sight first, then smell. Yeah. Because smell... There's the obvious smells, like, do you shower? But also... And, like, you wear cologne and all of that. Right. But also, um, our noses can smell a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily know that we're smelling. So women can smell something called MHC molecules. MHC has a very long name that I'm not going to say. These are the molecules that are proteins that indicate the strength and shape of a person's immune system. So women are more likely to be attracted to men with opposite MHC molecules because if you mate with that person, that means your child will have a stronger immune system because you're combining all of this person's immunities and all of this person's immunities. Oh. Yeah. Humans also emit pheromones that tell us, and all animals, I think, do this, that Mm -hmm. tell us how much testosterone men have, which is a factor. So the more Mm -hmm. testosterone a man has, the more attractive we will be to him. Okay. Um, And that has nothing to do with, like, strength or, like, physical appearance. Like, someone could have a lot of testosterone and be, like, small. 
Oh, okay. Um, I think. Sure. Um, no, that seems correct to me. Okay. So women's pheromones also tell men when we are ovulating and studies have shown that men are most attracted to women during their peak fertility period. So if you meet a man at your low, I know, at your (laughs) lowest fertility period and then you meet the same guy two weeks later, he will be more attracted to you two weeks later. Weird. Because men have an instinct to know like, oh, she would be a good mate to have children with. Even if that's not intention. Like this is all regardless of intention. Yeah. Um, yeah. Women are biologically, this is to do with hearing, are biologically attracted to men with deeper voices and men to women with higher pitched voices. Higher pitched voices indicate a smaller body size. Um, so that has to do with like femininity and like petiteness. And I think the article didn't say this, but this is my reading of it. It's that natural instinct that um, men have to take care of women that like is kind of primitive i don't want to use the word primitive but like yeah an old biological habit that we have not yet gotten rid of evolutionarily that men because they are bigger and stronger have to care for the smaller beings i think and like mm. women are seeking out men with deeper voices because of that need to be like protected protected yeah. exactly again regardless of intention this is all biology um touch you are more likely to be attracted to someone with a warm body temperature at first touch than with a cold one. I don't think that's a shock. Um, <laughs> you know, or a doctor touch you and you're like, whew. You ever um, seen Twilight? That's not true. Yeah. Okay. Fake, fake <laughs> He's news. cold. She's into it. <laughs> fake news. Um, but we associate warmth with openness and kindness. Oh. A study found that people holding hot coffee perceived people <gasps> around them as generous and warm, while people uh. holding iced coffee... Um, pursue the same people as stoic and cold. So I think iced coffee is what's making me so judgmental. <laughs> iced coffee is separating us. It is. It's separating us. You're not as open of a person if you're holding iced coffee. Um, and the rest of your environment can also have an impact. You are more likely to fall in love with someone when you're sitting comfy on a couch than sitting in a stiff plastic chair. See, like, that's why, like... The dates on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor go better when they're cuddling. It's true. It's very true. Not when they're awkwardly sitting. There are a lot of couches on The Bachelorette. Um, And finally, for the senses, taste. If the kiss doesn't leave you feeling good, then it won't work out. And a lot of relationships have ended just because that first kiss, like, maybe technique was bad, but also Mm -hmm. your senses tasted something that you didn't like. Oh. And you didn't know it. So, like, the senses are working at levels that we don't even know, which is Jeez nuts. Louise. Like, sometimes it's like, are humans robots? Like, we're all designed so specifically. It's crazy. Like, so much stuff is happening, and we have no idea. Jeez. Like, a man can literally smell when you're ovulating. <laughs> nuts, right? Hey, girl. Yeah. So, when we become attracted to someone and all of our senses say yes, our heart rate goes up, and our body releases glucose to give us more energy for procreation. <laughs> um, our... Our brain, sorry. Our brain will also create a tunnel vision effect that many people will oh. say they experience like when they have their first kiss, they won't forget it. And it's because they literally can't remember what was happening around them because your brain is telling you zero in on this person in this moment. Um, and that will os- often cause a loss of time and a general ignorance of surround- surroundings. So that's why when you're talking to someone that you're into, you like lose track of what's happening. And then you'll kind of get removed from it and be like, wait. What time is it? Where am I? <laughs> Which is real. 
Wow. Um, studies have shown that birth control pills can change women's sexual preferences. <gasps> so if a woman is on birth control when she enters a relationship and she's in on birth control that entire relationship, her sexual preferences probably aren't going to change. Her attraction will stay the same to that to that person. Okay. Um, however, if she enters a relationship and then stops or starts the pill, oh. her sexual satisfaction is more likely to change and that can affect the relationship. So that can change how attracted you are to that person. Because it changes your hormones. Well, it's like after you have a baby, doesn't right. that have a similar effect? Yeah, yeah. Your anything that really changes your hormones. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. So hormones really can affect whether you want them to or not. Yeah, how attracted you are to a person and how that manifests itself. Personality is a factor, <laughs> not just biological beings. Um, we are more likely to find someone physically attractive if we know that they're a good person. So if you see... That's really a case with me. Yeah. Like, I will, If like, you see, like, yeah. a person helping, in, like, an elderly person across the street, and you're more likely to be physically attracted to them, too. It does, like, that's why some people get turned on by, like, work, men working in a soup kitchen or something like that. That's the first uh-huh. thing I thought of. What's, what's the movie where they go and volunteer at a soup kitchen? Oh my gosh, there's some romance movie where they're like, we're going on a date, and then they end up going to a soup kitchen, and it's like, you found out that he used to do community service. Is it to all the boys I've left before? No, 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 no. but there's another, like, recent rom-com. You found out he had to do community service, but then he kept coming back. No, no, no. I feel like I'm, th- maybe we're thinking of different movies, but I'm thinking of a movie in which, like, a girl gets totally manipulated into, like, being a relationship with this guy, and he, like, tricks her into thinking he's a good person by, like, bringing her to a soup kitchen, and then one of the people at the soup kitchen is, like, he brings all the girls here to make himself look good. Oh, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Hold on. Oh, my gosh, what movie is it? Listeners, do you know, will you, this is <laughs> gonna drive me up I think we might wall. be thinking of different movies. We are. Neither thinking of, of us can movies. think of the movie that we're talking about. Hold on. Please write in. Let Please us know. Please. This is gonna drive me insane. Okay, let's just finish. Can I just? Uh, this is relevant to both of our topics. Now that I think about it, but I was just watching um, one of those like actors on actors interviews mm-hmm. with Gina Rodriguez and Penn Badgley. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how, like, the bad boy character, like, we're kind of, like, phasing mm-hmm. that out because as a society, mm-hmm. we're kind of learning that that's dumb. Yeah. Like, the privileged white guy that gets away with everything, but we like yeah. him because he's a bad boy. No, we like him because he's a white guy, like, is really what. But he was saying, like, the notion that we've idolized this character that's a rebel without a cause. And mm-hmm. then he talked about the phrase, how rebel without a cause. The phrase rebel without a cause makes mm-hmm. no sense. Because if you are a rebel without a cause, you're just being a rebel for rebel's sake and you're just being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. So anyway, rebel without a cause, phrases, that phrase lines up with my topic and yours sort of. Romantic comedies with scenes in a soup kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to move on, Sarah. <laughs> I'm so I know. I'm sorry, but this is. I'm gonna spend the rest of the day thinking about this. Okay, I just have. I don't know. I'm going to find it. Um, if you know what it is, even if it's next Wednesday when this comes out, text me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll move on. We'll move on. All right. So now it's time to talk about same sex attraction. Okay. Because this has been very focused on like heterosexual people being attracted to each other, but what if you're not attracted to people of the same sex? How does that work? Of the opposite sex, you mean? Yes, if you're not attracted to people of the opposite sex. So, if someone is attracted 
to someone of the same sex. How does that happen? Because obviously it's not for procreation purposes. Um, So there have been many studies behind homosexual attraction, specifically around gay men. So keep that in mind. There's not a lot about lesbian women. That doesn't surprise me. No, it's not surprising. It's just frustrating. That we're prioritizing men. Of yeah. course. Shocker. Um, if our brains are wired to be attracted to people in order to procreate, then how do gay people register attraction? Well, there might be a gay gene. So there's been a big debate over whether being gay is genetic or not. You were born this way, baby. Yeah. So... Uh, studies in the 1990s found that gay men are very likely to have homosexual relatives, which led researchers to hypothesize that being gay has something to do with the X chromosome in your family. They did discover common traits in chromosomes between gay men, but since same-sex couples are 80% less likely to have biological children, then how could the gene get passed down? And this is where epigenetics comes in. Do you know what epigenetics are? Remind me. Epigenetics, I didn't know this, is a form of, it's a study of genetics which shows a change in gene expression, not genetic code. So your genetic code is always going to be the same, but it expresses itself very differently. Okay. Just like emotions. And that's what epigenetics is about. Um, An epigeneticist believed, that's a epigeneticists that's a that's an sat word if i ever heard one believe that in environments where children have gay aunts or uncles that child is more likely to be gay so if you are a male and you have a gay uncle you are more likely that 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 child that male child is more likely to turn out gay same with young girls if they have lesbian aunts i feel like that's also a case though of um there's more documentation of that because if you have openly gay relatives that are tr- like you're more likely to come out. Yes, that does have to do with part of it, but there is epigeneticists believe that within our genetic code, there is something that when young people are exposed to homosexuals that they are related to. Um that what they have What if you're not exposed to them? Then the gene wouldn't come out. Like, it comes, like, that, the gene expression changes because your genetic code is, like, it is safe for this to appear. Okay. Is essentially what they're saying. So, it's something about them being related and something about that. It's, like, it's, like, reading pheromones, except it's happening on a deeper genetic level. Because expression has to do with what's already there. Interesting. That's why diseases that are, I think what there's, I think a comparable option, I don't know this for a fact, I'm not a scientist, but a comparable option is that your gene expression changes when you're older. For example, if diabetes runs in your family, your gen, epigenetics says that your gene expression of that diabetes isn't going to come out right from the get-go. It could come out later in your life. And that code has always existed, but it might not choose to express itself. And they're saying that homosexuality could be the exact same thing. Huh. That it is genetic and we do have it in us, but it'll choose to express itself or it won't. But you are more likely. It also, there's a study that showed that women that have multiple sons, the younger sons are more likely to be gay than the older sons. The more boys you have, the more likely you are to have one who is genetically homosexual. So there could be a gay gene. This is something that they're still looking at. Like it's not a proven fact. Um, but something about exposure to homosexuality causes your gene 
expression to change in the X chromosome. Huh. Juicy, right? Wow. That's all I really have about that. I don't know a lot more about That's attraction. Plenty. <laughs> Satisfied? Yeah. Yes. You did a good job. Okay. I also gave you a hard topic and like as I was doing my research, I was like, I feel like my topic's easy and hers is hard. Like I feel like I've got a science one coming for me soon in revenge. <laughs> yeah, epi- <laughs> discovering epigenetics was not the easiest thing I've ever had to do. <laughs> but you know, you get through it. Um, okay, I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. I'll share the video, the two videos that I got most of my information from. I'll put links in to them. Um, one of them was a TED Talk or a TED Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one was about the possibility of a gay gene. If you like what you're listening to, consider donating to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. You get presents. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, all Twitter, the Instagram. I already said that. You did? Yeah. Wow. That's okay. Ignore me. <laughs> I like hearing your voice. Too. Send us wonders. Yes. If you have something that you've been wondering, send our send your wonders over to I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com and we'll reply and put it on the show. I think, I think that's all the plugs. So Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? You were right that you have a space question coming, or a science space question coming at you. Okay. Um, This is a conspiracy theory (gasps) that I know almost nothing about. Um, And it's the black... I've done a conspiracy theory before. You have not. Ah! Ooh, okay. So this conspiracy theory is called the Black Knight Satellite Conspiracy Theory. Have you heard of this? Not at all. That's why I put question marks after it when you put it in the notes. Yes. Um, It is a conspiracy theory that there is an extraterrestrial satellite that's hidden. And I want to know more. That's all I... That's literally all I know. So, that's my wonder. I've been wondering about... I've been wondering about this conspiracy theory, and I think it's time you told me about a conspiracy theory. I will tell you all about... I will look into it. I know literally nothing. Sarah, do you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Jane? What the heck is Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, no. (laughs) You want me to explain Dungeons and Dragons to you? Yes. Like how to play the game or the history behind it? More so how to play the game, but if you want to give me some history, sure. I feel like we got to get a Dungeons and Dragons game going here, and then I'll just tell you what's happened. I don't even know how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Is this something you can Google? It must be. I, I guess, I guess so. All right. Sure. We can do that. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't know why I said nervous. Like, what my four year old? I'm nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> this is what my four year old say. I'm nervous. Okay, all right. Well, that's fine. We can do it. Sure, sure. We got sure. this. We sure. got this. We got this. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. This is you know what I've been wondering.